Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right, Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's gonna be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Midweek Mailbag, the Pride of Detroit Q&A podcast. Comes right in the middle of the week here, Wednesday afternoon. We record these 1230 p.m. Eastern on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. My name, by the way, is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer over at Pride of Detroit. With me, as always, to help answer your pressing lines questions is one of these days I'm going to get your intro right and and remember your your position right off the bat. I, I think I remember your name. I want to no, say it's, it's on the screen. Managing <laughs> editor uh, of Pride of Detroit at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric Schlitt is here. Happy Super Bowl week, buddy. Happy Super Bowl week. I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what it's going to take for, uh, for us to get the names and positions solidified and, and, and out correctly on a regular basis. Uh, cause it's, you know, we've done what, like 20 of these. It's been two years. <laughs> It clear, I mean, it means so much we'll to you that you write about it on our website, and I feel bad because I didn't, I didn't return the favor. <laughs> no, you, you did in parentheses. That was I, nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like we're, I mean, we're constantly reorganizing, like the Lions, right? Everyone's shifting titles. And, <laughs> no, but uh, uh, thank you, everybody who is joining us live here on Twitch.tv/slash Pride of Detroit. Uh, we will do this indefinitely uh, so if you're listening on the podcast feed feel free to join us anytime you like or just listen to us on the podcast you can catch us anywhere on your podcast platforms that you enjoy but let's uh let's jump into it um i i, I think at this point i i can't ignore it anymore eric we're, we're just getting a ton of draft questions at this point so let's dive headfirst into two of my least favorite offseason topics which is <laughs> the nfl draft and Trading up in the NFL draft. We had two people ask us about trading up. So uh, let's talk about it. Uh, one pride go blue asked, would you use the Minnesota pick from the Hawk trade plus pick number six to move up to draft Jalen Carter or Anderson? Uh, Rob Jr. also asked better odds. Brett Holmes spends big on uh, a defensive tackle like Deron Payne in free agency or trades up for number three to draft 
Jalen Carter. So let's let's start with the first one. Let's start with mm-hmm. the idea of using uh, one of the Minnesota picks or both of the Minnesota picks, if you want to trade up and get either Carter or Anderson. Are you on board with doing something like that? Yeah, I, I don't think it would. I think it would cost more than the Minnesota picks. Okay. So that's that's the thing. Yeah. Um, if it was just like 55. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, you, you, you trade up, you you get a defensive tackle. Because uh, Carter would be my my preferred choice, right? He's yeah. exactly what they need. Um, you get the best defensive tackle in the class, and if it only costs you pick fifty five to move up to secure him, then that, that that's that's a win. Um, even if it was, you know, uh, this year's pick and then next year's third, still think that's pretty close to a win because this is a this is a guy who the difference between him and the next defensive tackle is pretty significant. It's a pretty big drop off. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would make that trade if, uh, if I knew I could get Carter and that was the cost. I I, I don't think I would really even hesitate at that. And it's interesting. Cause I, I think, I mean, I think you're right, but if you were to look at like the trade chart numbers, Oh yeah, it's... like the lines could actually do it, right? Like they could jump all the way up to like two or three with just that fifty-five pick or whatever it is, right. the, the second round pick from from Minnesota. Um, but it's it's always different when you're talking top yeah. five, right? Like that you you throw the charts out the window when you're talking top mm-hmm. five pick because you're in elite blue chip player territory. You're in maybe even quarterback. Ter- like if it's if it's for a quarterback, which I think some some people might look at the lines trading up into the top five and think that's what they're doing, although. I, I, feel, mm-hmm. I find that highly doubtful that they'll do something like that. Um, anyway, it, it's just a special set of circumstances where you have to pay a little bit more. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially in a year when the talent's higher, like you pointed out, like last year, it's a little easier to, to make a trade to move up uh, than it will be this year. Um, more quarterbacks, higher level defensive talent uh, at the very top. And so um, it's, 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 the charts are fine and they're, they're nice to have, they're good resources, but like most things in the NFL, they're not definitive right. and, you know, end all be all. Yeah. But even, even putting all that aside, I'm not, I'm not as averse to this idea as you may expect, especially if, mm-hmm. if it doesn't cost that second, first round pick. Like if we're, if we're talking right that, that second, second round pick and maybe a third or next year's third or, or whatever, whatever it takes, like something a little bit on like, that second second already feels like a little bit of a luxury, right? You got it. You got it in TJ Hawkinson trade, a, a player that m- might've not even been on the roster in 2023 anyways, given mm. what the cap hit he was about to have. Um, and so you're playing a little bit with house money there. And so to, to get an elite prospect at maybe your biggest position of need, right? I'm open to that. I'm, I'm open mm-hmm. to that. And I don't think Jalen Carter falls and I don't think Will Anderson falls either. So um, if, if you want to get that guy, you, you, Go get them. Like, I I guess I'm not, and I know this goes against a lot of things I've said in the past where, you know, mm-hmm. you don't want to fall in love with one guy. You don't want to sure. trade up in general. It, it, it's bad. It It's bad strategy in general. It, the, 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 the only kind of proven method in the NFL draft is to maximize your opportunities and to do that. You trade down, not up. But at the same time, the lines are getting close to like looking across the roster and you're like, there aren't that many needs anymore. As far as big needs. Yeah. Right. Like they have a handful of like big needs and then there's going to be a whole plethora of like minor needs that they're yeah. going to need to fill out things. Um, 
The second part of that question, though, what's more likely spending on Deron Payne or, or trading up to three? I, I think if you go off Brad Holmes' history, it's trading up. Right. Because we've yeah. seen him do that. Yeah. And we haven't really seen him spend. Um, will that change as the roster is becoming more solidified? I don't know. You know, um, I know Payne is a special talent, but you're going to be paying him a ton of money. Yep. And so if I'm guessing what Brad Holmes does, I would I would guess Brad Holmes would trade up and try and secure the the pillar uh of a of a young defense that because that's what history has shown us. Yeah, that and that yeah, that was exactly going to be my second point is like if you look at track record here, Brad Holmes has not been scared to go get mm-hmm. his guy and he he I I know he really only has one major example of it with Jameson Williams but watching those behind the scenes videos, he he almost did it you know, the reports that he almost did it for a receiver, maybe Jamar Chase in, in 2021 yeah. um, and, almost, and, then, and then almost did it for Panay, right? And almost did it for Levi. Almost did it for and, Levi. So, yeah, I mean, and, that, that shows um, kind of the. He's, he's willing to entertain. Yes. Anything. And right. he's willing to move up if he needs to. Right. So, which, which yeah. remains my biggest, like. Yeah. My biggest concern I, for him. Like mm-hmm. I did like let's let's calm it down. You are gonna get a good player at six, you're gonna get a good player mm-hmm. at eighteen. It's not it's not I, crazy. It it really I mean, like when you have a general manager whose back history is in the draft, mm-hmm. he understands value at a level that we just don't. Yeah. Like that's just because that's what his whole career was immersed around, right? And so he goes into the draft, and when you talk to him like after, you kind of realize this, but he goes into the draft with an idea of like where he thinks everyone is going yes. to go, he's and he's very pretty good. accurate. He's been with very it. good at that. I mean, yeah. I, like Amon Ra is the perfect example, right? Right. Yeah, because, he knew it on day two. He was like, yeah. he's going to be there. Yeah, which is, and, I mean, in, incredible foresight. And and maybe a little right. bit of luck. I, I mean, you can't sure. possibly know what all 31 other teams are going to do, but he was a guy that they cl- very clearly had circled and yeah. somehow got him on day three. So, yeah, I think I think that is in, in a borderline elite trait of of what Brad Holmes has done so far. And maybe something that goes I know you've said it multiple times, but it's something that goes overlooked, I think, a lot, much like John Kaminsky. <laughs> I, I don't think anything's overlooked more than John Kaminsky. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to a non-draft uh, question. I like this question. It's kind of a unique one um, from Nate Simmons on Twitter. He asks, "What is what is a package on offense or defense you would want to see? You what you would like to see more of? What personnel package?" Uh, yeah, let's let's start there. There's actually a two-part question here, but let's start there. Is, is there here because for me, I've been knocking down the door for some two running back sets forever, and and the lines have slash had two talented running backs really for a while now. If, um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't think I can argue about anything that happened on offense last year. <laughs> so I, I think they were utilizing their, their receivers, their, their skill position players pretty much to an ideal, to ideal results last year. So I, yeah. I don't know. Is there something on offense or on defense that you're like, let me see more of that. I want to see more of that. Yeah. I think really the two set, uh, two two running back set has always been a thing that I've longed for uh, more of. Um, you know the the whole three safety set is kind of going away because teams 
are you know moving guys into hybrid positions where your third safety is also your third corner you know what i mean right and these these players are becoming extremely valuable in in this in the modern day defenses and so i i think that kind of idea is gonna is slowly dissipating um as far as the edge rushers i think that's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out as well like they use four edge in in nascar sets they'll use three when they want to go to like a five two against a a running team so we see a lot of variations of edge rushers um and so a lot on defense you're starting to see a lot of the a lot of nuances just in, in in how the modern game has changed but it's really all all about matchups and when you have a dynamic player like Swift and you and when you if you if they draft another dynamic running back like being able to get two dynamic players who are you know positionally versatile getting them on the field creates opportunities. And that, that's, you know, we saw Amon Ra go in the backfield a couple of times. You'll maybe, yeah. maybe you see more of that. Yeah. Like um, I, I do like, I, I've always, I always hope to see when I go, whenever I go to a game, I'm always hoping to see something creative on offense because that's really what wins, you know, games for you. More, more Penesul in motion. How about that? <laughs> like, and I'm Just not even line them up a tight end. Like, who did who yeah. start? Was it Lane Johnson who started that with the Eagles last year? And people were like, "This is unfair. This guy is just murdering people while he's in motion." Honestly, I love seeing that sort of stuff, and I know that requires you to put another offensive tackle out on the field. And I don't know who on the Lions you can trust in that position right now. Mm-hmm. But I, like, I mean, and it, and it's not just about him going out there and, and catching a ball once every 15 games. Him as a lead blocker moving at full speed like that is dangerous. It is downright dangerous and lethal for your run game. So, yeah, give me more of that. Yeah, they got three linemen who, when they pull, it can just create some devastating results. And so it's a lot of fun, yeah. uh, which is, you know, why I love Hank Fraley so much. <laughs> and Ben Johnson. And Hank Fraley. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, let's go back to the draft here. Uh, Eric Emmons asks, besides cornerback and defensive line help, what is the most likely position the Lions draft in the first round? And I think this is a great question because I feel like you look at basically every mock. I mean, you're the one that's been scouring mock drafts for the past 10 weeks or so. And it feels like pretty much every pick falls under those two categories. And if they don't, people get mad. (laughs) <laughs> because it's tight end or it's running back and people get very angry. So, I mean, you can have those in play if you want tight end running back, but if, if it was up to you outside of corner, outside of defensive line, where are the lines getting help in the first round? Ooh, uh, it's a hard question. Cause uh, you know, you can argue positional value for tight end running back guard, which is, you know, three, there are three big things. You can also argue it for linebacker. Yeah. I think the one position that's not a defensive lineman and not a corner that you can also get positional value from is wide receiver quarterback. Oh, qu- quarterback. oh quarterback. Yeah. I hate it. I hate saying it, yeah. but I, if you're, if, if you're taking defensive line and secondary players off the table, positional value in the first round, is it quarterback and, and wide receiver? Yeah. Okay. But I don't know if there's but a guy. You've already there. got, you've yeah. already got a lot invested there, right? Like, I like, look, 
they have a, in my opinion, they have a much bigger need to take a, a a guard or a running back in the first round than they do to take a quarterback. Sure. But from a positional value standpoint, yeah, that's the next biggest value that you can get. That's not uh, a need that's filled like because they don't need a tackle. Right. They don't like those are awfully popular guards less. So are you, are you um, saying we're not trading t- Taylor Decker? Jeez. <laughs> I, I felt like we could have gone a whole year without you having said that. Uh, um, <laughs> I reset the counter. We're back at zero. Um, yeah, no, I mean, like, I think that conversation has really died down. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and maybe sure. maybe it'll pop back up when people start seeing his cap hit. Um, in age and, and at some point you yeah. do prepare for the future, but offensive tackle is also a position you can play until you're 35. Yeah. And you can also use picks like down the road. Like, yeah. you don't, it's not a position you have to address right now. Right. Guard might be, you know, and, and so maybe, maybe guard is, is a bigger need, but if we're talking straight value, and and I can't pick a lineman, defensive lineman, or or a secondary player. Then eh, that's well, I could that's where it goes. Let me let me twist your arm a little bit more on the wide receiver thing because let's say the lines okay. don't resign DJ Char. Sure, and they're not in a bad position then necessarily. I mean, you still have a lot of guys under contract, including Quintus Cephas, but JMO. Uh, obviously, you have Amonra, you have Josh Reynolds, mm-hmm. Quintus Khalif. All these guys are still under contract, so you're not you're not devoid of of a you know players that can play this year, but mm-hmm. how many uh, outside of Jameson and Amonra, none of those guys are necessarily long term pieces. And again, like mm-hmm. I, I always want to reiterate, you're not necessarily drafting to fill needs in the immediate. You're trying to build a team down the road. So, would wide receiver be a crazy thing to do at 18? In my opinion, the way that this kind of wide receiver class is shaping up, I don't know if I'm sold that there's like okay. a definitive guy yeah, that's like going to be that he would be that big of an upgrade. Now, look, if Jordan Addison from USC is there, that's great value. I think, I think at 18, that would be really good value for him. Um, he's a slot vertical threat, so he can play the Y, but you're going to have to move him inside, which means you're going to move Amon Ra around a little bit more. And so, yeah, I mean, you could sell me on him coming to the team. You could, you could, you know, a lot of people are probably, you know, screaming about Quinton, um, Quinton Johnson from TCU, you know, the, the big six, four X. Right. And, and that makes a lot of sense positionally as well. I'm just, I don't, is he worth 18? Like I know people were talking about, is he worth six? Like there's they like they were really high on him. He can be very, very good, but like, he's not, He's not a top 10 guy, in my opinion. Could he be 18? Yeah, maybe. But like, I, I think you got to look at like, it's not, there's no JMO. JMO would be the number one receiver in this class, like yeah. without a doubt. He might, he probably was the one number one last year too, in last year's class. Oh but like, this is not like, this is not like last year where you had five guys yeah. who were like loaded right at the top. And the year before there was what four guys that were like loaded, right? Yeah. This isn't like that this year. There's a lot of value, but it's not early. There's a couple of guys, probably maybe three that go in the first round. Um, yeah. But I, in my opinion, they might all go in the back half of the first round. So philosophically, you don't necessarily have an objection to it, but in terms of just availability this year, probably not. The yeah. Year. 
like if if you're telling me I could have Jordan Addison or Anthony Richardson and and you think that Richardson is going to be like the if you think he's going to pan out, yeah, then you're I'm gonna take Richardson. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like because I think the value for that position is just higher. Now, I think I still think Richardson's a coin flip. You know what I mean? Right. Like he's, he's very talented. Okay, so um, so o- but, Osiris Torrance, Anthony Richardson, or or Jordan Addison. Well, well, again, it would probably be Richardson because of the value and, okay. and the potential upside of what he brings. I think. Um, Addison's probably more the sure thing, uh, whereas uh, Richardson has the higher ceiling, and I think the positional value on on O Torrance is just it's a little bit lower. Like you, you, I said this oh, before. You have to be, you would have to be sold that he's the next Frank Ragnow to take right. him at eighteen. Right. Like that's the level of player that you're expecting him. To, and if you think he is, take him. Yeah. And if you're not so sure, take the next guy on, I, on day two. I, I am thrilled that you have come around and maybe, maybe this isn't coming around. Maybe you've always been this way, but in terms of positional value mattering so much in the draft. It does. It does. Um, at the same time, my perception of positional positional value is a little bit skewed from yours. <laughs> um, I'm not as, I'm not as uh, against <laughs> taking a, 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 a running back like on day two. Uh, Cause I've seen what happens when you get stuck with the wrong running back on day three. Uh, but so we've we've all seen what, what happens when you take the wrong one (laughs) in round two over and over and over again here. Yeah. Yeah. Those GMs were different, right? Um, (laughs) um, this one hasn't done it yet. This one has not, but if you look back at like his influences and stuff, you never know. It might come. It's true. true. Uh, It might be an option. Um, yeah. So positional values there, but. I think uh, I think that running back position. I mean, I just I got a feeling you got to brace yourself for for that potentially happening this year. They have five picks, man. Is you running know, back a, a top five need? If it is, what I what I got from this segment, Eric is done with Jared Goff and wants Anthony Richardson at eighteen. <laughs> and with that, we're going to take a break. <laughs> when we come back, more of your Lions questions here on the midweek mailbag as we. Get into Super Bowl week and beyond. We'll be right back. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. 
When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome back to the Midweek Mailbag here Again, Super Bowl week, just a few days away. Uh, but let's get back to some more Lions talk, more of your Lions questions. And we'll go, uh, we'll talk a little Jeff Okuda. We had a, a question about Jeff Okuda in our live Twitch audience and seems timely since uh, on Tuesday evening, I believe it was, uh, the uh, fifth year option amounts were revealed. And because Okuda hasn't made any Pro Bowls, because he hasn't reached the 75% playing time over two of his first three years, he is at the lowest possible fifth-year option total for 2024. He is already under contract for 2023. At $11.5 million is what it would cost. And it's a fully guaranteed deal, which is important. And so the question here is simply yes or no on, on Jeff Okuda's fifth-year option. I think it's a hard question because you have to look at if he's not going to be long for the roster, is that contract tradable, right? Um, and, and I'm not sure it is. And, yeah. and if the contract isn't tradable, then they're probably better served uh, passing it, passing on it and allowing him to play out his contract this this season and then seeing how his performance uh you know impacts his future uh really I, look he he came back from a really difficult injury he performed well he changed his game at at, at the midpoint of the season uh to become more uh run defense oriented he had a couple really good games there in the middle uh then at the end of the season uh, he's dealing with the uh, illness and then he gets, he, you know, he gets benched, but is he benched? And then he kind of looks like he's benched and then he gets an elbow injury. And so like it's, it's, it leaves you a bit perplexed on how the coaching staff views him, but it doesn't yeah. look overly optimistic publicly. They said that, you know, he's right where they expected him to be. And, but again, this staff isn't in the business of publicly throwing players under the bus. So, um, and they didn't draft him. It, yeah, so it sure looks like he's a guy where it's unclear if he's part of the future. And if it's unclear, then you probably pass it by. Yeah, it's interesting because the fifth-year option changed recently. It yeah. became fully guaranteed. They they changed the way they, they calculated as well. And it was a move to protect players, right? It, that fifth-year option, you can't yeah. give the player a fifth-year option and then revoke it anymore because you, it's all guaranteed. You're, you're essentially writing a check that that for a player that's not on your team. I almost think it's starting to have the opposite effect because there's far less incentive now for teams to give team give those players those fifth-year options because mm-hmm. there's no pressure. 
There's just no, I mean, the Lions have Jeff Okuda under contract for 2023. So why yeah. not use that extra information of what happens during 2023 to make your decision on his future? And I know, I know, you know, sometimes it is nice to have that extra year to, to consider it and, and have them locked down. But with a lot of these players, they're, they're young. I mean, most of these players, they're young in their development. Mm-hmm. And 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 million is, are some of these fifth-year options. Those aren't deals. Those aren't rookie deals anymore. Mm-hmm. Those are expensive yeah. contracts. And so I don't really see any motivation on the Lions' part for giving him this fifth-year option. And and hopefully, hopefully it doesn't sour relationships with, with Jeff Okuda. Hopefully he uses that more as a chip on his shoulder to motivate and 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 play well in 2023, but I don't really see any motivation to to make this move for the Lions. And it's unfortunate. I, I'd like to be in a position where giving Jeff Okuda 10, 11 million a year is great. It, it's viewed as a great value for the guy, but it's just not right now. And unfortunately, yeah. you're paying that for him this year too, right? He's at what 10, 10, 2, 10, 3. Uh, his exact number is. Oh, yeah, man, I it up but either way, it. like yeah, it's it's um. Uh, 10.66. So basically 10, seven, 10, seven. So he's, and that's fully guaranteed too. Right. And so there's nothing you can really do about that this year, but at at this point, I I don't really know how you can justify doing that. And it does kind of bring up questions like is the changes for the fifth year option. Was that an actually good move or is it now incentivizing teams to move on (laughs) from players potentially a little bit more, a little earlier than maybe they would have. It, it, it's an interesting thing, like because in that draft class, Joe Burrow went one. He's yep. made one Pro Bowl, and so Joe Burrow is going to cost because he plays quarterback, yep. um, and because of the Pro Bowl, he's going to cost twenty nine point five million to keep for that fifth year option, right? Chase Young, who's same thing, made one Pro Bowl. Um, he's going to cost 17.5. So Akuda, who went third, is 11.5. That's a pretty significant drop. And then like Andrew Thomas, who's met the playing time, uh, who went fourth, he's going to make over 14. And then uh, Tua, who hasn't made a Pro Bowl but has met the playing time incentives, he's going to make 23, right? So Akuda actually is on the very low end. Yeah. He, he actually makes the same as um the dolphins uh geez i'm gonna murder his name but um that noah uh, yeah thank you who went 30th 30th right he's they're gonna make the same price akuda went three he went 30 so like that I, i think what they were trying to do when they were with this system is they were trying to create that balance of you, this is what you've earned, and so you should be able to make it. And or this is what it's going to, you know, cost for you to get there. So, but about half of the the guys on this in that draft in that first round either met playing times or at least made one Pro Bowl. So they're going to be in the upper echelon of pay. Right. The other half are probably right in that basic level. But that also matches up with the fact that a little less than 60% of the fifth round picks uh, fifth round options get picked up on a yearly basis now. Yeah. Right. So I expect him to be in that 40% that doesn't get picked up and not in the 60%. That's and and, you know, we'll see where it goes because it's not the end of the road, but I, you know, I think the, the players association looked at it as, yeah, he won't get that big money, but now he enters free agency. Maybe he can get big money that way. Right. Sure. Yeah. So that's true. Uh, but I'm with you there. I think, I think, the Lions probably pass on that option and they have until May 1st. Is that right? Or somewhere around that? Yeah. The Monday following the draft. And again, that's purposeful 
because they're allowing teams to see what you can do in the draft. Yep. And um, if you're planning on taking a corner and then you don't, it doesn't fall that way, then you've got the option to go back to Akuda if you need to. All right. Uh, next question comes from Twitter. Robert Brodeur asks, to your knowledge, were there any significant practice changes that were made prior to the eight and two finish to last season? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll start with this one. Um, yeah. Part of it is, we, we don't know for sure, right? We we don't get to really see practice as um, on a daily basis. All we get to see is warm-ups for 15 minutes. But I will say, um, one of the, I, I think uh, Dan was asked that several times, like, are, are you going to do anything to change your, your practice style? And the one thing that at least I can recall him saying is that more one-on-ones. He wants more one-on-ones. He wants more competitive you know, one-on-one sessions that, that really bring out the basis of what football is, which is winning your one-on-ones. And that's, that was kind of the mantra down the stretch is everyone needs to win in their one-on-ones and we'll be fine is just pay attention to the guy in, in front of you. Don't do too much when you're one-on-ones and we're going to be fine. And so that it, it was, it, and it's something that they did during training camp too. It's really both years is that, that, competitive nature is to bring out that competitive nature with those one-on-ones and and yeah i i'm sure there were other things like i know after what was it after the carolina game he's like we you know we got to pad up we we gotta we gotta be physical again and obviously you you only have a certain amount of pad practices per year so it's not like they could just throw in the pads every <clears throat> every day after yeah. you know, one and six start and be like all right we're gonna be a more physical team um but yeah, I think I think that was one of their major focuses, just bringing on that competitive nature with those one on ones. Yeah, I, I do think the padded practices, the way they were utilized, um, does kind of paint a picture though, because they did go back to the padded practices um, after the players only meeting, after mm-hmm. coming out of the bye. Like that was yep. They talked about uh, Campbell talked about that as being something that he needed to do to kind of help reset where the team was. Right. And then I, you know, it, again, I, I don't know this for certain, but it, I I believe they probably used had to use a couple more earlier than they wanted to. Yeah. Which is why they didn't have they when they got to like three weeks left in the season, they only had one left. And so then they, you know, maybe if they would have had another one, maybe they could have used one in front in, in front of Carolina, and that might have helped them uh, with preparation. Or who knows, right? But they had one left. They saved it for Chicago on purpose uh, because they knew that was going to be a physical running type uh, game. And so, um, knowing where you can use them and how to use them and when to use them, like those are things that this coaching staff is learning, yep. and hopefully will carry into next season and, and future seasons. All right, let's uh, move to our live Twitch audience here. Uh, Drone asks, uh, does Lions money currently spent on the offensive line stop them from looking at a potential free agent guard? Now, looking at positional spending right now, as of right now, the Lions are third for the 2023 season in spending on the offensive line. So do you think maybe that says to them, all right, we need to maybe pull back on the spending there um, in order to either fill this need through the draft get a, a stopgap guy or, or what? No, I think it really hinges on Vitae because he's eating up a yep. big chunk of that money sure. that is that is boosting that cost up, yep. right? <clears throat> um, we've talked about the fact that he's probably not worth 12.5, right? Um, yep. That's, that's, it's just, but he, this is where he is. 
based on how thing the way things have played out. And if he was willing to take a lower number and you can then I think they'd be happy to roll with what they have from a cost perspective. But if they they don't, if they if they're not happy with the cost and he's uh you know not willing to renegotiate a contract, I could easily see them saying, okay, Vitae is not going to be with us. We're probably we might lose Evan Brown in free agency. We don't know where Tommy Kramer is with his back status. We're going to have to invest in, in, in the draft, and and I could easily see them, you know, um, going that route. Now, would they go that route in free agency? I don't know because if you're cu- if you're cutting a twelve and a half million dollar guard, and you're only freeing up six. Are you going to spend like eight uh, on a, on another guard? You know what but I mean. Then like, you're not saving any money, right? You're not. Yeah, you're actually overspending now right. to replace him with somebody else, and so that's what kind of is where I'm cautious, or you know, I'm a bit hesitant, I should say, uh, with them saying that they're going to go and 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 you know try and secure a guard in free agency. I think they'd be more inclined to to re up in the draft. I've got. Two points I want to make. One is is a point about the salary cap and and how much spending they're going to be using on the offensive line. The other is a a wild free agency scenario that I know is going to get you excited. And and I, I've already seen some other people think about this uh, potential scenario. First is I feel like draft is is the correct route to go here because you're about to pay Jonah Jackson a whole lot too. Yeah. Um. And and eventually you're you're also going to pay Panesul a whole bunch of money in two years down the line. So try to stay young there. Try to stay cheap there as long as you possibly can, because you're going to be writing some massive checks on the offensive line very, very soon. If you are, and you kind of already are with, with Frank and uh, Taylor. Um, So to spend on a free agent, especially a long-term free agent seems like a tricky move, but, but if you look across the league, there is a certain player who could potentially be a cap casualty that I think a lot of people would like to bring home. Is it Graham Glasgow? It certainly is. Yeah. Bring him home. He's, he's one of my favorite players to ever don the uniform Um, guard center versatile. uh, He's an extremely underrated player. In my opinion, Uh, he fits the system. He's athletic. Uh, I would be on board for that uh, without hesitation. Um, I'm glad you if were happy on that one. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, well, um, if okay, would I cut Vitae and then spend eight million on on uh, Glasgow? Yes, I would. Okay. For how long though? Like I, I don't know four how years. how old. Okay, give so him three, you, three, you, three or four years. So okay, you're 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 spending. I don't mind. I don't mind spending on Graham because I know he's good. Um, and I, I, I can say for a fact, I know, I know he, he would love to be back. Not saying that he wants out and mm-hmm. wants to be in Detroit, but listen, he streams on Twitch. We, we, we talk a little bit about it and every now and then he, he's, he's mentioned several times how much he misses some of the guys here. Um, so culture fit inter- for sure. Good, really good player. I mean, if, if you're concerned about missing, losing out on Evan Brown, having Graham come in and potentially, like you said, play center, if you need him but mostly play that guard position and, and, and Lord knows he's, he'd be a lot more happy with this regime than the previous one. Yeah. 
Look, I, I, I'm I'm on board with, with Graham. I, I would say go after him if, if you can. On the flip side, if you are going to draft a guard, I want you to um, I want you to kind of look at what the investment is and when the contracts expire on these on the offensive line. This season, Jonah Jackson is under contract. Okay, or his contract expires yep. and he'll need to be renewed. At the end of next season, it's Taylor Decker. At the end of that season, after that, it's Panay. At the end of the season, after that, it's Frank. They're spread out for a reason. Yeah. Right. Like, it's. Do you, do you remember what happened to the wide receiver group when they when they all when all their contracts ended in the same year? They were all gone. Yeah. Like they were gone. Right. Yep. Spreading these contracts out on the offensive line allows you to maintain some stability on the offensive line. It allows you to keep them going in the rotation. If you get another guard this year, you can add him in into that into that rotation. Now you're going to have two at the same time, um, but you can be clever about how you address that four years from now. Sure, you know if you're doing like the early signing and stuff like that. So I like the idea of drafting a guard that could potentially start this year. Mm-hmm. If you can get the right guy at the right spot. And right. there's a couple of guys that I think would be that that can work with, but having those contracts end in, in, in each and separate years allows you to address them appropriately. And, and with the way that the cap fluctuates, you can gear them to where they're low hits and then ending in high hits. And that way you're always keeping some of them lower and then some mid and then some, and you you can just keep that rotation going and you keep good players at that position group loaded. Yeah. That that's always been my argument for, for going into the draft is just, it feels like it's the cap conscious thing to do. Yeah. And, and, and listen, like, when you extend players, that doesn't mean you're automatically always paying more for them, right? Like theoretically, if they give Jonah an extension this offseason, it could lower his cap hit this year. It's already pretty low. It's what, like 3.4 or something million. It's not a ton. So there's not a lot of room to lower it. But a lot of times in those first couple of years, you get a very big discount. So that if you do, if you're if you're getting towards the end of those Decker contracts and, and, and Ragnow contracts, um, where those are astronomical numbers, you could still be in those low numbers of the extension to to do exactly what you did. It's just kind of like balance all those contracts so they're not all hitting at the same time. All right. We're going to close things out with one more question here, and it's going to bring us full circle here. We started the podcast talking about trading up. Israeli Lion asks, what are the chances Holmes trades down from six? And what's the furthest down he would go? This is something we really haven't seen yet, Eric. We haven't yeah. seen we haven't seen the Brad Holmes trade down, which now I'm not, I'm not, listen, I'm fully supportive of what Brad Holmes has done so far. He's proven <laughs> he can build the team. He's, he's drafted incredibly well. I would love to see a nice little trade down here and there though. I, I do think he could trade down, especially if he's not in love with the quarterback and a quarterback is there and somebody else is right. Sure. I do think they're in a spot where they could make that happen. Um, because there's going to be four quarterbacks at the top, and if you have four quarterbacks and 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 in uh, th- two defensive players that everybody's in love with, and you're picking at six, then you might hold the key to one of those spots. So, 
if he wants to trade back, I, I do think it's it's reasonable. Now, how far would he trade back? I don't know just yet because I don't know where that kind of like ceiling or where that where, where that drop off is. Right. I haven't really determined that in like my kind of hierarchy of where this class is. So, you know, you, if you have a chance at an elite player, you want to stay in that elite range. But how far he will go back, I think a lot depends on his return. Um, what are some other players that he might like? Because, look, if he can trade back and get a first next year, he'll do that. Like, <laughs> even if it means trading back, like, Quite a bit. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, like past 18, maybe into like the 20s, 30, like he'll trade that far back if he's going to get a first next year, because it's going to give him flexibility to to be in the quarterback talk again next year if he need, if yeah. he needs to be. Right. Right. And so he's going to want that flexibility. And I don't think it's having pick 18. He's going to he has the opportunity to be a bit more loose with the draft picks than if you only have like one pick. Right. So. I, I do think trade down is an option. Uh, I don't know how far down. I think I think everything is going to be on the table for him this year because of where they're at and in and, and with the way that the class is. Yeah, and I think the reason why this is starting to become a a, a bigger thing with Lion Chance, other than it just being good strategy to trade down, and always mm. always you know better in in mind than easier in practice, um, but. Y- you look at how we expect the draft to, to fall right now. And of course that could change drastically in the next two or three months, but you don't expect Jalen Carter to be there. You don't expect Will Anderson to be there. And then you expect a couple quarterbacks to go. And then what happens after that? Well, there's no clear consensus, right? There's no clear consensus on who's the best corner in the draft. There's a ton of differing opinions there. And I, I've, I've seen a lot of lines fans be like, well, they're all interchangeable, right? There's three or four guys at corner that are interchangeable. So trade down from six and you get a guy of the same value there at, at 15 or, or 20 or whatever. And, and maybe there's truth to that, but my, my counter to that would be, I don't think that's how front officers are actually going to view. No, I don't need that. Yeah. I think they're going to have a favorite. I think most do have a favorite and, mm. and, when you have such a big need at corner and, and defensive tackle and, and all those things, you want to get the best guy. We, especially when you got the sixth overall pick, like get your yeah. best guy at your biggest position in need. Don't wait for your second or third or fourth, fifth choice. If your first choice is right there mm-hmm. and maybe they have them on, you know, similar level, similar tier, same tier, whatever. But at the same time, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to be likely that there are three or four or five guys that are literally all on the same tier, especially at corner maybe a defensive tackle as well. I don't know. I, I I think you're always, when you're in a position to get a, a top 10 pick already and get an elite guy on a side of the ball where you need elite talent still, you, you only have one or maybe two blue chip players on defense. I don't know if you want to mess around with that and wait till, till 20 or 15 to, to get your guy, get, just get your, your talented guy. I'm, I'm with you. I, I, you know, a co- one corner might be higher on one team's draft board as opposed to a Lions draft board too, which is, yep. and, and when you look at the rankings throughout the draft season, these rankers are going to rank for all 32. They're not just right. ranking for your specific team. Yep. Right. Um, and so Brad Holmes draft board is going to look very different than Dane Brugler, who is incredible. You know what I mean? Yep. And he's one of the guys that like, 
I, I take his word over almost anybody else when it comes to the draft, but he's not going to have the same order, not even at the top that, that Brad Holmes is going to. And that's, it's just not, it's not realistic to think that. And, and so, yeah, you might think the top three corners are interchangeable, but in, in my mind, I have, I have a clear separation be- between the top guy and who I and who I think is the second guy. And from a talent perspective, maybe they're really close, but then there's all these other intangibles that go into it. So um, I'm with you. I think they're going to have a very clear hierarchy uh, of, of where it's going to be. And uh, we'll do our best to guess it. Right. Yep. That's that's the job. Only three more months until uh, we find out what that is. Uh, but uh, <laughs> until then, we're going to get out of here. Uh, thank you all for listening. We will have more podcasts coming your way this week, uh, including a very special one that we'll be recording live Friday at 4 p.m. on our Twitch channel. Uh, you're going to want to be there. I promise you that maybe something even before then. But. For Eric, for myself, thank you all for joining the Midweek Mailbag. We'll be back again next week around this time, Wednesday afternoons, 12.30 p.m. Eastern on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. But until then, thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening. It's Cass. Be kind.